0: writes in, you admit coaches can determine running back pass volume, then insist that Adrian Peterson can't catch 60 passes. Were you dropped as a child? Again, again, again. You don't need the, the end, the jab at the end under my rib cage. Were you dropped as a child? Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Ask the question. Are you sure? Basically, what you're asking is, are you sure Adrian Peterson can't catch 60 passes? Can you go look at your analysis again and get back to us and see if he can catch 60 passes? Please, thank you. Yeah, great, I will, sure. Were you dropped as a child? What's wrong with you people? You don't need to do that to me. You don't need to be cruel. That's not even funny. It's just cruel. Mean-spirited. I'm here to help you. And you're here, you want to tear me down, I'm here to help, thanks, okay. I shouldn't even respond to this buzzard, but I will. Because I think a lot of people are thinking the same thing, so I'll respond. Norv Turner's running backs, historically, only caught a lot of passes when they were great route runners when they were great receivers in and of themselves, when you could actually play, if it it was a player, you could actually play in the slot and he would be successful. Someone like Ladanian Tomlinson, someone like Danny Woodhead could play in the slot and produce. Not Willis McGahee, not Steven Davis, and not Adrian Peterson. Those guys, McGahee, Davis, Peterson, these are not great route runners. Those running backs only excel at catching design screens, which is like a delayed handoff, or dump-offs and check-downs. That's it. Jarek McKinnon, on the other hand, is developing into a true receiving back, into a dual threat, a runner and a receiver. And if... Norv Turner were to increase the number of running back targets assigned to to the running the number of targets assigned to the running back position in 2015 if he were to increase that from 2014 to 2015 increase the running back targets year over year if Norv Turner were to do that it would be Jarek McKinnon not Adrian Peterson who would be the beneficiary of that RB target increase. Just like with Danny Woodhead in San Diego a couple of years ago. Danny Woodhead was the passing down specialist with Ryan Matthews the grinder on first and second down. If you were to project the roles and the responsibilities on a per-down basis for the Minnesota Vikings this year, that would be my prediction. That Peterson and McKinnon would fall in that Matthews and Woodhead mold. In fact, I would argue... This is going to get me in trouble. This is gonna, I can already see this. It's almost like I have in my hand pieces of bread. Moldy or stale pieces of bread. And I know, sometimes in the show, I know when I'm about to throw the, throw the bread up into the air... And I can, I know the buzzards are circling. And I just, they're ready to descend and just fight each other for the bread. I, I'm about to do it, and I know they're just waiting for this moment to pounce on me. I know it. I can feel it. Oh, boy, I can feel it. Because I would argue that Ryan Matthews was better than... Ryan Matthews was better when Norv Turner was his offensive coordinator than Adrian Peterson is now, than Adrian Peterson will be in 2015 with Norv Turner as his offensive coordinator because Adrian Peterson is not the explosive athlete that he once was. Could Adrian Peterson run a sub 4.540 right now? Hell no! Are you mad? Of course he can't. He's not the same player. No player that accumulates over 2,000 carries is the same player he was before he accumulated the 2,000 carries. This is self-evident. But we also know that that's what the NFL does. More than any other sport and more than any other position, the running back position, the NFL saps these athletes of their athleticism. It saps the wide receiver of his athleticism. It saps the tight end of his athleticism. It saps the linebacker. It saps the defensive lineman. The action of playing the football as a sport at the professional level saps the athletes of their athleticism at a rapid rate. No rate more rapid than the running back position. This is self-evident. All you need to do is look at the career arcs of these various positions. We've talked about this in other shows. The age apexes for production, the age apex for the running back position is a staggering, a stunning 24 years old is when the running back is at his peak. Peak performance for a running back, 24 years old and you can see the curves slowly diminishing as the running back hits age 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 out of the league. That's not just the aging process at work. That's the NFL at work. Grinding the athleticism out of its players with sheer violence. Now, we talked about this on a previous show. A lot of fantasy writers listen to the show, and I really appreciate that. And I also talked in a previous show about some side bets that I have set up. I have side bets set up with Evan Silva, where I have taken Joseph Randall, and Evan Silva has taken Ruben Randall. If Ruben Randall outscores Joseph Randall this year, then, oh gosh, I'm going to do a podcast naked sitting on a plate of marshmallows and honey. That's if Evan Silva wins. If I win and if Joseph Randall outscores Ruben Randall, then I get to take over Evan Silva's Twitter name for a day and change Evan Silva's Twitter name to Matt Kelly is God and then maybe Matt Kelly is King and then maybe Matt Kelly is amazing. Whatever. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, Cheeky. More side bets. So we want more side bets. So please if you have an opinion that clearly differs from mine on any one of our shows contact the show rotounderworld at gmail.com or tweet us at roto underworld. let me know we'll set up a side bet i love doing these cheeky fun side bets i don't do side bets for money that's cheesy that's just lame oh 50 dollars oh, 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 oh. 10 bucks now we'll do something fun where if you lose you you're publicly shamed and if you win you get to delight in the public shaming of your opponent that's fun in a fun way where everyone can laugh that's what we're doing that's what i'm doing with evan silva that's what i'm doing with liz loza that's what i'm doing with anthony amico or amica i always forget anthony amica or anthony amico from rotoviz anyway all about the side bets I've actually lost track of the side bets that I have, so if I have a side bet with you and I haven't mentioned it yet, I'm sorry. I, I just have so many side bets. I'm actually relying on those that I'm gambling with to remember these side bets exist. With a, my, one of my worries is that I'm going to lose track of all these side bets and I'm going to win one, and then I'm not going to he- hold the loser accountable because I have just had to- so many side bets flying in the air trying to jo- I can't remember them all. And, uh, whatever. So what could happen is if I win, I, I win nothing because I've forgotten about it. And then if I lose, the person will remember and then make sure that I have to sit in a plate of marshmallows and honey or I hit my – oh, I have a side bet with Matt Harmon whether or not Martavis Bryant will be a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two in fantasy. If Martavis Bryant reaches that threshold – which I hope he doesn't, but if he does, I will take a cream pie in the face while holding a sign that reads, Matt Harmon is blank, and he gets to choose whatever he wants me to, to write on that sign, and vice versa. Or, Matt Harmon, I did give Matt Harmon a a lever to pull. If he's not comfortable getting a pie in the face and messing up his hair, then he does have the option of writing an article on playerprofiler.com explaining why he was wrong about Martavis Bryant, how Martavis Bryant failed, and by extension, how he failed. So that's another side bet. Want more side bets? I'd love to get 20, 30 side bets going here, and then I can't keep track of any of them, And but it's just fun. And then almost every day after the season is over, it's me losing another side bet and having to go through some shameful event. <laughs> Should be good. Now, another thing that we've we've people have asked about, another buzzard email that, that that I've received, multiple buzzard emails regarding t-shirts. People want these t-shirts. They're great t-shirts. The Roto Underworld t-shirt, oh my goodness, what a nice t-shirt that is. Woo! I have to tell you, I did a good job with these t-shirts. I don't do, I don't have a lot of pride about a lot of things, I create a lot of things, and kind of eh. But the t-shirt turned out well t-shirt came out well because one of my my primary objectives of creating a t-shirt was not just to have it look cool with the 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 dark evil eyes looking out gazing out the darkness which is our logo which is also cool lucked into that logo someone drew that up for us did a great job but i wanted those t-shirts to be comfortable so they're egyptian cotton oh they're so good So people have asked, how do I get the T-shirts? And and right now the T-shirts aren't for sale. I sold a couple of them, and it was just it was too tedious of a task for me to to one-off sell T-shirts. So we the goal now is to set up a whole merchandise store on playerprofiler.com. That's coming. So that's a feature you can look forward to. And the only reason it, it's going to happen is I think my wife is going to take on that that task. She's going to be the overseer, the overlord of the merchandise mart on playerprofiler.com so Rachel will, will handle that and it's going to take some time to set it up but eventually we're going to have a store so you can buy Roto Underworld t-shirts you can buy Roto Underworld mouse pads it's going to be great It's just you're going to love it you're going to be all geared up in Roto Underworld and you're going to be cool you're not going to be cool you're going to be playing fantasy football and that's not ever really cool but you're going to be something now I did give a t-shirt out I gave a t-shirt out to D- Jason Treat who is one of our minions. He emailed the show. Again, you can email the show, RotoWonderworld at gmail.com, or tweet the show, RotoWonderworld at gmail.com. And he basically said, hey, I have a way to restore the articles that were deleted by the hackers. And I am so appreciative of that, because that saved us a lot of time uh, using Google's caching mechanism, which I didn't know about. so i sent jason a t-shirt. so again, if you contribute in a meaningful way to the site, help us out in a meaningful way, that that'll that'll be how that'll be the currency that we use to compensate you will be t-shirts. and i think it's worth it cuz again, the t-shirts are are popular. And they're good and right now the one thing you don't need to do is you don't need to let us know that the site is slow and or that the site has crashed on you this is going to be a frequent occurrence over the next couple weeks since the hack happened after the restoration process something wasn't quite right after post restore we're trying to track down what about the site is making it run slower than it used to and also making it crash periodically so all I would ask is you bear with us as we try to fix this keep refreshing the page if you, if you get a, an error message when you try to pull up a player's profile, go ahead and just refresh or come back in five or 10 minutes. Stick with us, don't just abandon Player Profiler and don't use it anymore. I promise that the page will come up if you try a couple times, number one. Number two, we will fix the issue and it will be back to being fast and reliable soon. So, have my word on that. Now, more buzzard rates, buzzard heavy show, buzzard writes in. If you hate Adrian Peterson, because of his mileage. You must despise Frank Gore. I, I I, wouldn't say despise Frank Gore, but I'm not buying Frank Gore in fantasy. I don't think Frank Gore is a value. Whenever we talk about players on this show, or I talk about players on, on Twitter, my personal Twitter, at fantasy underscore mansion, I'm always having a value conversation. It's always about... Do I like that player at his ADP? And do I like Frank Gore at his ADP? No. Frank Gore's ADP on My Fantasy League, based on the My Fantasy League 10 drafts that are happening now and have been happening over the last few months, Frank Gore's ADP is 28.7, which is early third round. And that's too early. It just is. And by the way, you can go to playerprofiler.com and see Frank Gore's ADP in the upper left hand corner directly under his name every two weeks we refresh that. So that ADP is actually Frank Gore's ADP just in drafts that have happened over the last two or three weeks. So that is the most accurate, most up-to-date ADP you're gonna find on the internet service. Go to playerprofiler.com to check it out. So I want to talk about Frank Gore because I've seen a number of conversations on social media about Frank Gore. I've seen him discussed in unison with Andre Johnson a lot. People love to just put them together and talk about them as if it's one thing, this duo, that they're, that any point you make about one is a point that applies to the other one. And I, I disagree with that. Just because both Andre Johnson and Frank Gore are older guys who signed with the Colts in the offseason doesn't make them – anything close to equivalent talking about them using the same logic and creating the same arguments to apply to both is what what I would call simplistic false pairing and it's a it's a stark contrast those two players one player I think is a value in all formats Andre Johnson Frank Gore is a player that I'm staying away from in all formats Frank Gore is a washed up 32 year old running back with over 2,400 career carries. The other, Andre Johnson, is a Hall of Fame wide receiver coming off one of his only inefficient seasons of his entire career, who is finally, for the first time, invigorated because he's playing with a good quarterback. Again, playing with a good quarterback for the first time in his career. Who wouldn't be invigorated in that situation if you're Andre Johnson? You've been living in purgatory for your entire career in Houston. The best quarterback you had was Matt Schaub, and you made Matt Schaub seem like a serviceable quarterback. Then Matt Schaub goes to Oakland and It's like, whoa, he's out of the league. Ooh, that guy's terrible. Right. Andre Johnson was carrying Matt Schaub on his back. Andre Johnson has never had a good quarterback. Now he has Andrew Luck. Talk about a a change. Talk about a sea change. It's like he... What's the parallel? I'm trying to think of... I guess it would be like an actor who's dating a, a, a girl from high school. And she's fine. She has a great personality, right? And then a movie of his... Takes off, maybe, maybe he's in a reality show, whatever it is, becomes famous, and now he's dating a supermodel. I mean, that's the difference. High school sweetheart to supermodel. That's what Andre Johnson's going from. And I think uh, the quarterbacks that Andre Johnson has played with in Houston, calling them high school sweethearts would, is being kind. It's being kind. Now, Andrew Locke, that's like dating Kate Upton. I mean, th- that's the difference we're talking about here. How can you not be excited about Andre Johnson? Ah, No idea. I mean, talking about Andre Johnson as if Frank Gore is his equivalent at the running back position. <laughs> nonsensical. Because wide receivers can be fantasy relevant through age 35. Running backs are done by age 32. That's the difference. I mean, there are exceptions... But this is a rule of thumb that I follow and I'll tell you, I have never regretted following that rule of thumb not staying away not drafting running backs once they crest age 30 and crest carry number 2000 again, Andre Johnson is not at the end of his career yet he's not 35 yet He will be soon, but not yet. Even Reggie Wayne, who was by every measure a less impressive athlete than Andre Johnson, was a wide receiver too when he played at age 35 coming off a torn ACL with Andrew Luck as his quarterback. Now we have Andre Johnson coming off a relatively healthy season. Younger than Reggie Wayne was last year. Fully invigorated. And so his floor is a wide receiver, too, in fantasy. With a full-blown wide receiver, one ceiling, because he's going to be playing that flanker target hog role for the Colts. So, yeah, especially in redraft, I freaking love Andre Johnson this year. Meanwhile, at the running back position for the Colts, Frank Gore is toast. So that's who I want to focus on. I want to focus on Frank Gore. Because he's become this polarizing player. There's conundrums about Frank Gore. I don't understand the conundrum. There is no conundrum. There is only reality. The reality is that Frank Gore is 32 years old, has 2,400-plus carries on his odometer, and his ADP is third round that's the reality there i don't there's no conundrum there the reason why i think it's it's clear cut that he shouldn't be drafted in the third round is that frank gore is now slower than the other grinder on the depth chart josh robinson frank gore ran a 45840 10 years ago 2400 carries ago Josh Robinson ran a 4.740 this year. That means that as of right now, Josh Robinson is faster and more explosive than Frank Gore. If you asked Josh Robinson and Frank Gore to run the 40 and do the vertical jump, I believe Josh Robinson would blow away Frank Gore at this moment, at this point in their respective careers. So I think that's a problem for Frank Gore. I also think that Frank Gore is less effective in space and is not as competent of a receiver as Dan Heron. I mentioned this with Peterson earlier. The NFL saps its athletes of their athleticism at a rapid rate. Frank Gore isn't anything close to the athlete he was coming out of Miami. Miami. And when you look at Frank Gore versus Dan Heron, as receivers, when you're projecting targets and receptions, remember, Frank Gore never had more than 12 receptions in his college career. Think about that. In any given season. Like Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore is not a great route runner. He has only excelled at catching design screens and dump-offs, both of which are essentially delayed handoffs in his career. In the years where Frank Gore caught more than 50 passes, those were predominantly designed screens. Now, if you look at Frank Gore's agility score, which is correlated with success, in his prime, it was pretty good, 80th percentile. But even in, their, even in his prime, it was worse than Dan Heron's agility score. Dan Heron has a better agility score than Frank Gore even if they were both in their prime Dan Heron would still be more agile. Now Dan Heron is in his prime now, now, today, now, like now, 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 Dan Heron is super agile and Frank Gore's agility has been sapped. It's long gone. And Frank Gore has never been a great route runner. Ever. So you put those two things together He's never been a great route runner. And now his agility is sapped. So who do you think the Colts are going to play on third downs? They're going to play Dan Heron. And for those reasons, I think Dan Heron is more likely to accumulate 50 catches than Frank Gore will. Now, are we worried about Frank Gore because of injury? Yeah, I haven't even talked about that yet. We haven't even gotten to that yet. I'm worried about Frank Gore not just because I think He'll be ineffective between the tackles. Not only am I worried about Frank Gore because I think he, would be, he will be essentially useless in the passing game. I'm also worried that Frank Gore is going to get hurt. Yet. You will hear on social media, on fantasy radio shows, in articles. You will hear more people concerned, more people worried about DeMarco Murray because of the presence of Ryan Matthews and because of DeMarco Murray's proneness to injury, then you'll hear concerns about Frank Gore because of the presence of Josh Robinson and the presence of Dan Heron and Frank Gore's proneness to injury. Frank Gore's body is incredibly prone to injury right now. It is. And it's why I object to the generic, all-encompassing, injury-prone label because it's often used to mischaracterize the injury risk of players. Injury proneness is driven by three things. The history of injuries to the same body part drives injury proneness. So for example, scar tissue and degeneration of muscle fiber, ligaments. Think about Arian Foster's hamstring. Arian Foster's weakened hamstring makes him more injury prone. That is a fact. What else drives injury proneness? What else makes a player a higher injury risk? How many career touches has he absorbed? What is his age? What is his agility and explosiveness? The agility and explosiveness allows the player to protect himself. Great agility allows a player to avoid contact. If a player loses his agility, and loses his explosion, he can no longer jump out of the way of a defender. He can no longer sidestep a defender. And that makes him more prone to violent collisions. Those are the factors that drive injury risk. Injury risk and injury proneness is not driven by the number of games you've missed over the last two years, which is how the knucklehead sports fan defines injury proneness. If a player misses a lot of games in consecutive seasons, he's immediately tagged with that generic injury-prone label. Ryan Matthews has a fractured clavicle and then a sprained knee the next season. He's injury-prone. DeMarco Murray sprains his knee one year, sprains his foot the next year, misses significant portions of both seasons. Boom! He's injury-prone. Done. (laughs) Label. Printed. Slap on forehead. Injury-prone. The end. Do two consecutive injuries to a player make that player injury-prone? Of course not. It just means they got hurt twice playing the most violent sport on the planet. That's all it means. But you ask the random knucklehead fantasy gamer or sports fan... Who's more likely to get hurt this year, Ryan Matthews or Frank Gore? 95% would say Ryan Matthews, and that doesn't make sense. Speaking of forecasting injuries, I was having a back and forth with Jake Davidow from the InjuryPredictor.com website, because right now he's receiving, for whatever reason, I can't figure out why, the, the timing of these things, but Davidow right now is receiving a furnace blast of criticism. And I'm texting with him. And he's like, these trolls on Twitter, they want me to release my formula for calculating injury probabilities. And I come back at him and I'm like, why would you do that? Would 3M release all their patents for glue and plastics just because people want them? Just because someone asked for them? No, get out of here. They would laugh in your face. And those patents would actually help people. And the officers of those companies would still laugh in your face, as they should. It's just not good business. It's not good business to simply give away the product of your labor. Not only is it not good business, it's just rarely the right thing to do. It's rarely a good idea to do that. And so my question to Jake was, who the hell are these shameless people? Who do they think they are making these absurd requests? And then he comes back at me, and it's no surprise. No surprise to anyone that's listened to this show for any length of time, or followed me on social media for any length of time, or has seen any of my fantasy team names lately. The person trolling Jake Davidao insisting that he give up the formula was none other than the humorless and self-important Benjamin Albright. Oh yes, oh yes. This is. I, when he told me this, all I could think was, oh, this is rich, oh, this is rich. And I went and I read what Benjamin Albright was saying on social media. And he said, this is what he was saying. Well, regarding injury predictor, I don't know how, I've never heard Benjamin Albright's voice before, I don't know what he sounds like, but this is what, this is, when I read Benjamin Albright's Twitter timeline, this is how I imagine his voice sounding. I just have some questions um, about the ethics of the marketing, yes. I mean, no one can truly predict injuries. No kidding, really. No one can predict injuries. Wow, that's insightful. Thank you for that. We're not talking about predicting with definitive certainty, we're talking about probabilities. Probabilities defining possibilities probabilities are used to make predictions within a range of outcomes with a margin of error, Benjamin. How do you not get that? How does any? how does he, it's crazy the things that people don't get. I'm not even sure the thing with Benjamin Albright is such a disingenuous individual. I'm not even sure if he does get it or if it's just an act. Because he's trying to be provocative. I, I don't know this guy. But of course, no one can actually make infallible predictions with 100% certainty. That's self-evident, obviously. Those people would be clairvoyant. And clairvoyance, obviously, does not exist, Benjamin. So, what are we talking about? Why are you bothering my friend Jake Davidow? out? I mean, Scott... You should check out some of my team names, Kitchen Sink 3, the Rudy 3 Dynasty League, the Roto Underworld Dynasty League. You'll have a good chuckle at my team names that mention Benjamin Albright. It's not just the humorless self-importance and the shameless faux outrage that bothers me. It's that Benjamin Albright flaunts a willful ignorance of mathematics. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not sure if he does understand probabilities and is simply being provocative or if he actually is flaunting a lack of knowledge about mathematics. Either way, it's offensive. But it's even more than that. It is. I mean, listeners ask me for reading lists a lot. You know, what books should I read on this topic? Oh, the the black swan That was an interesting book, Nassim Tlaib, you mentioned Fooled by Randomness. And on this topic, I would suggest that you read The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. I mean, The Fountainhead, the problem with The Fountainhead is it's been commandeered by political junkies since it was first written, because there's undertones in the book that focus on freedom of thought, freedom of expression, and the ownership of a product of one's efforts. So like college players, should they own their own likeness? Or should the college own it? I think the players should own their own likeness. And I think the main character of the Fountainhead, Howard Rourke, would agree. But when I first read that book, I didn't read it through a political prism. To me, the book is about builders. It's about architects. It's about building what you believe is art and not compromising your integrity as an artist or a craftsperson just to do what's popular. When you have a vision, there are a lot of challenges laid at your feet and people that approach you to help you solve these challenges, but there's also a fee that they charge. That fee is often you diluting or modifying your vision, your idea, your product to be more palatable to a mainstream audience. And so oftentimes as an innovator or a builder or a craftsperson, you hit a crossroads. You have a choice of either sticking with your vision and going on a journey alone hoping that it will eventually resonate with an audience and risking toiling in anonymity without recognition forever or the other choice is you could recalibrate your goals and expectations compromise in order to get your product out the door And I deal with this tension with both this podcast and playerprofiler.com all the time. And so far, I haven't compromised or dumbed down my vision. But I have two things in my favor. I'm well off financially. Most people are not. And I have zero interest, zero desire in just standing next to the new, new thing. But there have been so many opportunities for me to compromise player profiler in this way. Do you see any cheesy banner ads on playerprofiler.com? No, you don't. We have one Daily Fantasy referral button, even though I know that a lot of Remora fish are sucking up alongside Daily Fantasy platforms because they know the industry is exploding, and they just want to be close to the next new, new thing. I added the Daily Fantasy referral button because I thought our visitors could use it and would enjoy it, and that was it, period. And that's what Jake Davidow at Injury Predictor is doing. He's just trying to create something people will find useful. Because Jake is a builder with a vision. The builders who build because they are compelled by an idea about how something should be, those are the people that I respect. That I want to emulate. Rather than those that start out with a goal of making money or getting famous, and then reverse-engineer their work to get there. Jake Davidow is the kind of idealist builder that I admire and respect. He's not a carpet-bagging remora fish. There are plenty of those types of people in this business, in the fantasy football community. I can spot them a mile away! You know that I can spot them a mile away. I've talked about them on the show! And Jake David, I was not one of them. Yes, he could do a better job with his product. Yes, he could do a better job with his marketing. But to character smear a fellow builder, that is the one thing that a troll can do to really get me agitated.